welcome to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. Brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Ready for the power play? You're listening to The Hockey Show on ESPN Chicago. NHL All-Star Weekend, which means Pat Boyle finds himself on a beach somewhere in Mexico, which means you get Jeff Meller inside the hockey show along with Barstool Chief this weekend. Chief, what's going on, my man? Yeah, I'm not in Mexico. No, you're not. I'm pretty cold. Yes. So, uh, very jealous of Pat. He sent me a picture today, so I know he's doing well. So, shout out to Pat Boyle, favorite co-host there is. No offense to Jeff, but enjoy your vacation. Come out, come out, come back, come back to us. Ready to talk some hockey next week. Be refreshed and ready yeah, to go. So, all yeah. tan. Although he is always kind of tan. Yeah, I think that's part He's of it. He's a well-groomed man. The He's TV, a well-groomed man. It's the TV glow, too. you yeah. got to make sure that you always it's makeup. Have. Let's just start saying yeah. that. It's, it's all the makeup he wears. So we will uh, be here for the next hour talking a lot about the All-Star Weekend, some of the skills competitions that went down. I love the skills competition. I, I think too. the NHL does the skills competition better than any other sports. Uh, I'm trying to think if anything compares closely. Home Run Derby, like, home run derby has, as an event is actually probably better than the actual baseball all-star games. Yes. But it's for and me. I do like the new format where they have a, the timer. So yes. you get like buzzer beater home runs. But to me, like the entire spectacle of the hardest shot, the accuracy, the fastest skater. And it's like those are, it's like you almost have like seven or eight like mini home run derbies. Like yes. the home run derbies, there's only one thing. And for the NHL, you have a few events that people like care about. I and I was actually thinking about this. I would like, and, and you're right, they do do it really well. Definitely, I think better than the NBA All Star Weekend, which you know, oftentimes the it used to be that the slam dunk competition was the marquee event, and at some point there was a you know none of the stars wanted to participate anymore, yeah. or if they did, it was only when they were rookies or second year mm-hmm. players, right? And so that has quickly lost its luster, and with the emergence of the three-point shot that in some ways has become the, the marquee yeah. event for the nba but it doesn't have but it's boring yes yeah. like and they don't have it's just the stars don't seem to be competing in the all-star weekend like the nhl's all-stars are over the last couple of days on thursday and friday here and they should it, it, yes last night was you know they had a couple taped events they yeah. had they had the splash the dunk, dunk tank yes yeah. which listen who who doesn't love a dunk tank? That's where they actually take advantage of being in Florida. Yeah, and, and I think that that's why, you know, add a little local flavor to whatever the All-Star game is. I can't remember. We were in uh, Vegas for our last year, so I didn't see any. We were doing our own. We had our own, like, uh, roller hockey tournament thing, mm-hmm. so I wasn't really clued into it. But I'm pretty sure they had some event out on the pond in front of the Bellagio uh, with, you know, the fountains and all that. Yeah, they so. had the um, the shooting competition where they had to, like, blackjack. Yeah, okay. So, and, yeah, and, a little local something. Absolutely. Yeah. So and, I, and the NHL does do that well. You're right about that. I think they find a good – whoever in the league is in charge of putting together that, like you said, to, like, tap into the local, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they do well, so far, so good. What, what should they do if they have it here? What, what would you have? Do you work in the beans somehow? Firing pucks Did you see New York got a bean? No, I New did York not. New York got to be in there, like tucked it underneath some like building. It looks like it's propping up some like modern looking apartment building. It's disgusting. I think that's like the uh, 
the quintessential Chicago is better than New York. We have space mm-hmm. with beans right in the middle of the park, right where you want it to be. You see the whole skyline. It's not just stuck in somewhere in the city. You have to go out of your way to see it. Come so, to Chicago, you'll be able to find it. Yeah, yep. unlike in New York, where good right. luck. who knows where it is. Yeah, um, I don't like that they copied it though. Yeah, no, I agree. That's kind of silly. I'm trying to think what else could the. I feel like it's got to be like some kind of eating competition. <sighs> Working. Uh, Maybe do, it's do you, like a cold tank. You just have to sit in the cold. <laughs> you just have to do the Joe Rogan cold tank. So how long can you stay in this freezing cold tub? Plays into hockey, too. I yeah. mean, like, you know, something. I mean, maybe just play an outdoor game. Why not an outdoor all-star game? I When they were going through the COVID of, like, where should they play? And it was kind of deemed that you could do stuff outside at that point. I'm like, build a rink at Northley Island. Just like put it outside, get like eight thousand, build like some temporary stands of eight thousand people, have that skyline view in the background. That would have been electric. But so could, yeah. But could you get any type of Wi Fi service out on Northern North Ireland? Better that's than the in the question. United Center, probably. Yeah, that's if true. If you're a fan, it's tough. I don't know if they have a special media one yeah. where you get like kind of clued in right away, but if you're just sitting in section three twelve, it's tough. Yeah, no, I it, it, it's been like that for years. You would think in twenty twenty three things might get a little bit better, but no, it doesn't seem to be a priority they'd rather fill up the seats first before they start worrying about fixing the wi-fi 312-332-3776 if you want to check in and talk anything pucks with us today here on the hockey show again i'm jeff miller in for pat boyle i'm still trying to like rack my brain too about i I, it is they they have embraced the outdoor game so much to the point where it's overexposed in a lot of ways right like it used to be it's not as cool as it it used to be a special event you know Eventually doing one where you have the all-star game as an outdoor game. I mean, I'm sure the NHL would never want to do that because they would feel like, oh, it. I think the boys like the warm weather ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, Lake Tahoe was uh, was pretty spectacular, right? I just mean for the all-star game in general. Yeah. I think the guy, I mean. Get away to warm weather. Warm weather, like the nightlife scene. All those guys were out. What's that? The Aria. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. So we, you know, everybody was out at the Aria. Some, some. I'm not like a nightclub guy, but mm-hmm. all, all the boys were out, and I was there for about 15 minutes. And I'm like, it's too loud. Let's go play blackjack. So, but I think they all like that's. I think if you're gonna have an event where they want the guys to participate, you got to put it somewhere where they're gonna have a good time. Yeah, but you can only do that so much, right? Because you're gonna have to have a rotation where. All-Star games are the one thing that seem to hit every city, right? For the yeah, most part, like, rarely it. there's duplicates. It's not like a Super Bowl where it gets moved to you know a, a key group of six cities or whatever. Yeah, Winnipeg's petitioning to have it. <laughs> sure. I'm sure that'll go over well. But at some point, don't you, if you're a, a league like the NHL, don't you have to kind of say, listen, you're one of our franchises. You're all equal partners. You're everybody's special in their why, own yeah, way. But yeah. That's why you have to at least at some point embrace it at once, don't you think? Yeah, no, I'm sure I'm sure Winnipeg will have their turn and they'll It'll make it a worst, worst winter All-Star one. Wonderland, yeah, kind of like when they had the Super Bowl in Indianapolis, where it's just like, what are we, what are we doing here? And I'm sure they're great at hosting. I'm not taking a slight at our listeners that might be in Indianapolis, but it's it's not Vegas, yeah. You know? no, no. So it's just a different, just different vibe. So yeah, I think you know, I think Winnipeg is probably the Minneapolis or uh, I'm sorry, Indianapolis of Canada, just like this Midwestern kind of nondescript. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like think of something about Winnipeg that's not hockey. Can you? No. Yeah, I mean, honestly, my right. I've never been to Winnipeg. I've got uh, a buddy who's been out there a few times for some tournaments, but for some youth tournaments, but uh, not uh, me personally. So yeah. yeah, it's just the Jets. And then there was obviously that huge void where there were, were no Jets. Right. So Winnipeg was of the pay no mind right. uh, for me. So yeah, I don't have much uh, interaction with Winnipeg outside of a hockey uh, city. Context. Context. Yeah, the whiteouts are cool. That's it. The whiteouts are cool. Again, yeah, hockey though. Yeah, right. Like, yep. So it's all hockey related. 
All right. So last night, since we're talking about the skills competition, did you enjoy the OV Junior moments where Alexander Vechkin brought out his four-year-old son, Sergey, in an OV Junior jersey, and then he and Sid, Sidney Crosby, went up the ice on the breakaway competition and uh, ended up scoring on Roberto Luongo, of all people. Did you, th- did you find it, did it tug at your heartstrings, or just a little too cheesy for your liking? It's both at the same time. I love a little bit of cheese. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I, uh, I it is one of those things where you're like, man, like these guys are like that. Like I'm, it's, and we've talked about this on this show repeatedly in the context of like Taves and Kane, but Olvi and, and Crosby, like they're my superstars. Yes. You know, like my my era, my age. Um, I think you know, I think they're Olvi's in '86. Like I was born in '86. Yeah, so he's like, 37 years old. Yeah, so he's a he's a tick older than I am. And it's just like, man, like I, I can't believe these guys are that old. Not that thirty seven is like too old no. to have a four year old, but it's like you know the end of it's the end of the road and I hated Luongo. I love to hate him and so seeing him <laughs> yeah, pop back absolutely. up it was like, man, like it's even nice to see him mm-hmm. even though I hated him. But yes. it's nice to see him. No, it, so, it, it brings back the nostalgia, yeah. right? Like come on, Hawks well, fans, how how many I mean, the Canucks, even though That was it, man. I'm trying to think like were they the most intense rivalry for the team? Because obviously, like, it's like you can't. The, you, the, the Red Wings are their own type of deal, right? Yeah, but, but like, really, there but, was. And even when the, they had that great series in thirteen, yes. the, the the Wings and the Hawks, it went to game, you know, game seven, overtime, Seabrook, Chalmerson disallowed the whole thing. At least for me, I never hated the Wings the way that I felt like I was supposed to, because in the early late nineties, early two thousands, when the Hawks had kind of I don't know, been intentionally tanking for 10 years and not signing anybody. And <laughs> I don't think it was intentional. I think the, it games, was, uh, the games weren't on TV and whatever, whatever the motivation was. Like they were incompetence. They were incompetent. Yeah. So it was like, do you have a rival? It's like the old hammer and the nail yep. comparison. Like the Hawks were the nail. And then the Wings also, they didn't have any guys that were like villains. Like Datsuk was incredible to watch. Lidstrom was incredible to watch. Zetterberg, all those guys. And then even like that 0-2 team, which was basically an all-star team, like Shanahan and Dominic Hasek was there when they won the Cup, and Brett Hull and all those guys, Luke Robitaille. It, like they didn't have, they didn't have like the Kesslers. They didn't have some of these, it, uh, Kevin Bieksa, where yeah. it's like, I want to strangle Kevin Bieksa myself. Like, yeah. it, like, don't let me see in the parking lot. I might so, have something to say. I've got you by about Not five. Actually. I've got you by about five or so years. So I did grow up in the early nineties, late eighties with the yeah. Hawks, early nineties. So I did catch the, you know, the Dino Cicerelli, Bob Probert yeah. on the Red Wings, right? Where they were hated mm-hmm. players and it wasn't to the point where they hadn't reached the heights yet. Well, and I think they had a conference final against each other, right? Ninety four? I think that was like the Wings lost to the ninety four and ninety five, Wings lost to the Devils. Yes, and, and I think the Haw- they beat correct. the Hawks they, and that yeah. Ronick Ch- like the last great Ronick yeah, Chelios correct, team. Correct, correct. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so but for me they definitely were the heated rival. But during the Taves Kane era, the, the the height of the heights, there it was definitely the Vancouver, Vancouver Canucks and Bobby Lou being able to get inside his head the whenever Sedins, you needed to. Right, the Sedin. Yeah. Sister, Who's the guy I'm blanking on? He has a French name. I'm like kicking myself. I've got a bad memory lately. But he you didn't was, say Kessler, did you? I did say Kessler. Okay, okay. And then they had another guy, and he like bit the finger of the guy. In the, on oh, the, on, Salo? No, 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 no. Sammy Salo took the he t- was a, took the puck yeah. to the testicle. Of course, how could I forget? Um, but like they just they had a ton of hateable yes. guys, and even like the Sedins who were more of the ilk of like Zetterberg. 
there's just something about that red hair and those faces and the fact that there are two of them. Like, I hated them, too. And that, that to me, was like, you don't miss that game. And in that rivalry, when you play in the playoffs three years in a row, which they did, it was that, that thing burned hot as anything. Dave Bolin in, in, uh, in 14, or was it? No, it was 12. It was 12, and he, he was injured, and he came back like mid-series, and they were down 3-0. They rushed all the way back, it was, and then they finally lost OT uh, Game 7. Yep. But it was like they hated us. We hated them. Their fans hated us. I hated their fans. I loved when they like lost, and they would burn their own city down. It seemed so stupid to me. Yes. So I, I that one to me, like I know I am supposed to hate St. Louis, the Wild were kind of that hammer-nail analogy. The Wings ran off to the Eastern Conference. Yes. Cowards. And uh, and then L.A., that, those were great series as well, but it didn't. It was more like I was appreciating the hockey more than I hated them. And it's always harder when it's not a division rival, which was yeah. weird because the Canucks were able to, ins- to somehow you know, penetrate the you know, non-division foe and become one of your hated rivals during that stretch. Uh, Nicholas H. just tweeted me, Rafi Torres. Like, that yeah, was another. Oh, I mean, course. I hated him for the like, – yeah. he, had, he had a cup of coffee with uh, Vancouver, but like, then it was the Coyote series that put him – like, he's on yeah. the hit list Villain to this yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah it was, that's but, something that's missing from hockey. Who, who, nobody hates anybody anymore. I love hating people. Hmm. Well, no, no, and and to bring it full circle, Crosby and Ovechkin last night skating together up the ice, yeah. giving Ovi Junior Sergey. I liked it better when they're barking at each other on the ice and had the tussles in the like 2008 era. Like yeah. that was when they those two guys hated each other. And Absolutely, they played the playoffs a bunch. Absolutely, and then again scoring on a rehabilitated Roberto Luongo, yeah. who everybody apparently loves nowadays. Yeah, I think he. I think everybody's always loved him, and he he had. I don't know if he still does it, but he had like this anonymous Twitter account that everybody knew was him. That was kind of funny. So I think he endeared some people in that way but yeah it was he was a fun guy to to have his cage rattle bufflin running into him things like that he's crying in the media then he was crying about like tim thomas not pumping his tires enough like he was he was a guy who gave a good quote That's for media for sure. purposes but then it like usually backfired on yes him. yes because he could n- never seem to find a way to uh shout out to hoist the stanley cup and shout out to dale uh on twitter as well i'm thinking i am thinking of alexander burroughs Burroughs was the guy oh, that sure. I hate. Sure, oh, sure. my God. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I forgot his name. I hated him. Yes. So from those Canucks teams like Listen, that, I don't ha- I don't I, I would kill to hate something as much as I hated Alex Burroughs. They had a lot of hateable players. Yeah. Like, you know, that's and it, yes, it would be good to get back to Feel that stage again. where Blackhawks are competing in series like that again. And hopefully that will be coming sooner maybe than we're currently anticipating. That's a discussion we're going to have throughout the show here. 312-332-3776 if you want to check in with Barstool Chief. I'm Jeff Meller in for Pat Boyle today. Big trade in the NHL this week. How will it affect the Hawks' plans at the trade deadline? We'll discuss that next. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN1000. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Horvats. I know some uh, maybe hardcore NHL fans aren't all locked in, but he has been one of the better players in the league, and especially this year, already tying a career high with 31 goals 
Monster year. Yes. Uh, he was dealt by the Vancouver Canucks earlier this week to the New York Islanders. And oddly enough, he will be debuting his Islanders jersey, or he did last night um, at the skills competition. He will be sporting that Islanders wear for the Pacific Division today mm-hmm. as he was elected by, for uh, as a member of the Canucks. But he has 31 goals this season in 49 games, which, again, as I mentioned, ties his career high. He scored 31 last year in 70 games. And the Canucks received a first-round pick, a prospect at Turati, and then Anthony Bouvier as well. And in that deal, the question for me, Jeff Meller sitting for Pat Boyle today, to you, Barstool Chief, is was that a steep price to pay? I think it's a... You know, like every trade's a little bit different, right? Islanders are currently, or were currently at the time of the trade, sitting in tenth place in the Eastern Conference. They also know that like the clock is ticking on that core, with you know the great fourth line, and you know they they have a nice they have a nice team. Uh, you know Anders Lee's you know at thirty two, Barzell's only twenty five, but N- Brock Nelson's thirty one, uh, Josh Bailey's thirty three, Pajot is thirty, like th- Kyle Palmieri is thirty one, like all their best guys yeah. are. They only got a year or two left, so this is like chips to the middle. Let's go get the best player available for a trade, which I think Bo Horvat as a forward probably is, mm-hmm. um, and probably not even. Have, you don't even have to say probably. Like he's a good two way player, scored thirty one goals. Like he's captain of their team like he's he's a very good player and it's like we it's now or never so who cares like we'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow so we'll give up a Vullier who uh, a nice player but they probably overpaid he's making over four million yes. for the next two years uh the canucks don't care about that so much because they need roster players and they're they're doing their own little rebuild uh so they're going to continue to you know other than elias peterson and, and hughes i don't know who they're really committed to long term mm-hmm. so they're doing like a little kind of on the fly thing and uh, so the Islanders are just like, look, at we we can't wait around for Roddy or this first-round pick this year. Who cares? We're going to be tanking in a few years anyway, so let's go get them. And they did. And if that is setting the market for, uh, we'll say, supplemental-type players, secondary-type stars, love that. Love that for the Hawks because while I don't think Taves or Kane are getting traded, uh, and Kane would probably be the only guy in the roster who would command that type of a return, if they can get a, a top type of prospect in return for a Max Domi or an Anthony Siu or like a Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, a guy like that. If you can get a piece of that package that the Islanders gave up, get a first round pick for any one of those guys would be incredible. So if that's the market for it, for a scoring depth for the playoffs, well, uh, Kyle Davidson's probably smiling about it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a definitely fair point. Now you did mention there that you don't think either Taves or Kane will be moved by the Hawks at the deadline. Uh, yeah, I, I pick that up in there. Okay, so yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think they're getting traded. Okay. So, and I, and I think that's honestly for most Blackhawk fans, that is like I think the real question that over the next month, right, yeah. that is lingering in their minds. Okay, is this going to be the direction they go? Yeah, and look, things can change in a month, but you know, I I try to keep my ear to the grindstone mm-hmm. a little bit, and and one of the things I've heard is that Kane is kind of like they're they're probably not even going to explore it at all. And they might try to find something for Taves if Taves Taves might be more interested in leaving than Kane is at this point. Again, subject to change, but and I think those guys have changed their mind quite a bit. But I don't think that uh, I don't think there's a market for Taves, which is part of, probably part of the problem. So if you're eating half half the money, like yeah. what are you even getting back? And then I I think it'll come to a point. I think maybe this is pure speculation. This is not like a ear to the yeah. ear to the 
grindstone on this or no, whatever that expression is. Uh, I think it is more, I think them having the same agent might be making things a little sticky. So if you're, if you know, you go to Pat Brisson, who's both of their agents saying, Hey, we actually want Kane on a three year extension. And Brisson's like, all right, what about Johnny? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, well, I don't know. Okay. So then I think maybe, I think that that could make things a little bit sticky, but my gut tells me that neither one of them will be traded and that Kane will be back next year. Okay. And Taves, any chance he'll be back next year, you think? Or uh, I guess, like, how about percentage-wise? If you had to say, if you had to throw a percentage on it right now, nothing you know, nothing hardcore, but just 10. 10 per- okay. That I, th- I think Taves will, one way or another, be playing somewhere else next year. So if that's the scenario... Mm. Yeah. If that's the scenario, though, you, you don't... It, it just makes me wonder, though... Is it unworkable? I, and I guess, like you said, I guess it's one of those questions too, where obviously Taves mm-hmm. has the no no movement clause, so right. you can't just you know pick him up and ship him out without him approving it. But at the same time, you wonder, well, if if it's it's very unlikely that he'll be back next season, then I ask the question, okay, well, you know, is there no spot you'd want to go to try and you know make a playoff run, be be a yeah. participant in this year's Stanley Cup playoffs? And I, and I think all those guys do on some level want to win, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's not the same as it was with like a Ray Bork or a Joe sure. Thornton, where it's like they're chasing a cup because yep. they never got one, like yeah. they got they got all the cups Absolutely. they'll ever need. So it's more about like what do you want for your life, and do you want to be living out a hotel for two three months, maybe more, playing in Winnipeg or I mean it'd be one thing if it was Colorado, but it feels like that's and Colorado has a need for a guy like Taves. Yeah. I would say uh, so they haven't been able to replace Kadri, who went to Calgary in the off season. But, like, could they squeeze him in under the cap? Is it worth it to, you know, like, yeah. it, it just feels like it's, you know, I've seen Carolina thrown around. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. I know they, they kind of have the room because they got, you know, Pacioretty's on LTIR. But I just don't think there's a deal to be made for Taves. And I don't think Kane wants a deal to happen. So I just think it's going to be, there will still be fireworks at the deadline. And we're about 30 days out yes. or 28 yeah. days out. But I don't think it's going to be to the extent uh, that we thought maybe four months ago. Let's try Jonathan, who's in Ohio, wants to talk some pucks here on the Hockey Show. What's going on, John? You're on with Barstool Chief and Meller. <clears throat> hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for calling. Um, so I think Lafferty might be the, the piece because he's on a 1.15 or 1.5, whatever it is, million-dollar deal for the next uh, for the rest of this year and next year. Um, where, where do you guys think... Um, he could end up, especially um, because a lot of teams don't have cap space. And I've mentioned yeah. the Chief before, a team like Carolina, um, the Leafs, L.A., all makes sense. Um, where do you guys really think um, he comes into play? And I think McCabe makes the most sense to Los Angeles because they need left shot D. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's uh, – we. this is my guy. This is my prospect guy. I talk to this guy all the time on the Internet. Um, I think I think there's a scenario – the one that makes sense to me would be Lafferty and McCabe both to Toronto. And if they're not trading Taves or Kane, they don't because there, there's only so many players you're allowed to retain salary on. And I think the Hawks had been hesitant to make moves uh, where they're retaining money because it's like we can only do it on one or two guys. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly, but they don't have the full three-player allotment. Okay. So it's like they had to be a little bit careful on some of these deals where they're retaining money. But if those two guys are staying... Well then, you can you can say, hey, like we'll take half of McCabe, and you can have Lafferty. You can fit those guys underneath the cap easily. But if we're going to be doing that for you, so you got two guys with term, 
and one of them is a valuable top four type guy and definitely a top six guy no matter how good your team is in Jake McCabe. Yep. Well, that's valuable. Sure. So if we're picking up if we're picking up half of his salary for another two years at two million dollars, like you better give up something good. And I think that that price for both of those players, if they said, "Hey, we'll give you Matthew Nyes, who's a big power forward uh, type kid who plays at University of Minnesota, who I uh, he's got a chance to be in the NHL full time next year." Okay. Reminds me of Mark Stone, if mm-hmm. you know him from yeah, Ottawa, yeah, sure. Ottawa and, and, uh, Vegas. and Vegas. Yep, like stud. And then their first round pick. And if if they do that, I I I would do that deal instantly to get those to get those two assets in tow i definitely love to the idea of potentially packaging a couple of players to get the higher end asset totally. right like I, I i hate when sometimes you'll see teams kind of like they'll break everything up but like if ultimately you're just going to bring back a couple of second or third round picks right like, like go for the high try and figure out a way to get those high end assets yeah and, and it, you're i i agree with you and i don't the reason i would say package those two together and send them to toronto i Love Matthew Nice, and mm-hmm. I think everybody does. Like yeah. he, he's he's a guy that is has had a big year at Minnesota, and I think he he was a second round pick in, originally. But I think a lot of that was because of COVID, where they just didn't have eyeballs on him. And that draft that year was like okay, sure. like throwing darts a little bit. And within like three four months of that of his post draft season, everyone's like, we made a mistake. <laughs> like we made a mistake. We should have drafted Matthew Nice on the team. We missed that one. Yeah, we, we screwed that up. So I think if you get him in. Um, then, then all of a sudden, because if you look at the Blackhawks prospect pool, it's a little on the smaller side. You need a little bit of you got to be able to play multiple ways. So getting a guy who's six three, two ten, who can skate, shoot, pass the puck, like and and has a little bit of a mean streak, like he is going to be a top six type power forward for a long time. So I, I want Matthew Nice, but McCabe on his own is not enough to get him. Uh, Lafferty on his own definitely not enough to get him. So if you if that's the, your prize, I would probably do those two guys with the salary retained just for Matthew Nice, and you guys yeah. keep your first round pick. Maybe you take a second back because I, I do think they they it's a deep draft, uh, not just at the top, but there's supposedly like fifty guys who yes. are like worth getting. Yes, I've read that, and the truth is too like already you know the Hawks are. Look, they're in good position because no matter how the lottery ends up going, they're going to be picking very high in the second round, right? So yep. um, you've got the Tampa pick as well. So mm-hmm. there's lots of good stuff coming to the Hawks' way. I, you don't need to necessarily you know, get locked into a first-round pick, especially if you have a prospect, the caliber that you're talking about here, that gives you a chance that you've already seen play, right? Right. It gives you already... It well, d- and he's ahead it, of that curve, exactly. too. So you're not waiting... You might have to wait a year. You're not waiting three. Yes. So yes. that there's there's value in, in accelerating your timeline to being a good team again. So uh, everybody wins. Let's do that deal. Come on, Toronto. Let's, uh, let's continue to talk. We'll dig a little deeper into the Hawks prospect pool, where they're at. Chiefs got some thoughts on the most recent athletic rankings. And uh, also Max Domi. What does his future hold here in Chicago? We'll talk about that here on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app from anywhere. The Hockey Show. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Meller in for Pat Boyle this week alongside Barstool Chief on the Hockey Show every Saturday on ESPN 1000. If you missed any of it, don't forget you can always check it out, catch it, catch up on the ESPN Chicago app for you. 
You can always listen to us on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and that Chicago, ESPN Chicago app as well. Again, 312-332-3776 if you want to jump on in and talk some pucks with us up until 2 o'clock here. All right, so I was asking you, I will step aside and let you give me the 411 on the Hawks prospect pool. But before we go there, Max Domi, what about him? What do the Hawks do with him? Is he is he just at this point you just you're gonna move him because you're gonna you can get something too good for him, or is he somebody you should be looking to resign? I think they should do both. I do. Okay. I, I think that they should probably trade him. He's on an expiring deal. He's a perfect rental. I also know that he is immensely popular in the locker room. So where he fits in, they're gonna need to long term, I don't know, but in the short term, they're gonna need bodies next year because Taves and Kane, their contracts are coming off the books. There is a salary floor. I feel like that never gets talked about. Yeah. You know, but there's obviously the salary cap, but there's part of that CBA is that you have to spend a certain amount. The only big ticket guy they have left, especially if they trade Jake McCabe and his $4 million a year, yep. is going to be Seth Jones. So they're going to need to augment that roster and spend a little bit just to get up to the floor. Domi would be a, a perfect guy for that. He's still obviously a very productive player. He's playing over slot and arguably out of position right now. He's been playing mostly center this year. Yep. I think he's better as a wing although his face-offs have been good but there's there's more to play to center it, yeah, than, sure. than winning draws but he's a very versatile guy he can play all three forward positions he's he's a tough kid he's fast he's got a good shot like there's if he's on your third line whew, you're you're you got some pretty good secondary scoring uh if he's a if he's a death player for you so i think he'll have value at the deadline and you know this is this is about you know acquiring kind of chess pieces too where it's like, hey, like we might have three guys in the top forty that we love. We only have two picks in the top four, you know, whatever it ends up being. You want to be able to move up and down the board, and if you have to give up two seconds to get a, a third first round pick, then do it. And I think moving Dolmy, Anthony, CU, some of these other guys uh, helps you kind of position yourself on draft day for what is being toted as a very, very uh, deep and like a historic draft. Like maybe maybe the deepest draft since oh, that famous 03 draft sure. that had everybody in it. So uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I, I really like Max Domi and you know, I think people you need a little bit of toughness and you need toughness at every weight class. And I don't think you know, the game, it's like my favorite, like Ryan Whitney uh, spit and chicklets, Barcelona guy yep. quote, where it's like the game is always going to be the game and they're going to things will change and, and the, the culture of the sport will be a little bit different. But come playoff time, you got to be able to play hard minutes and hard hockey, and and Domi can can do that. When he was a rental for Carolina last year, he had big moments in the playoffs because he goes to the hard areas and he's got skill and and he knows how to play. And it's you know he's twenty seven right now. He's also it like when this you know these uh, this new rush of you know good young Hawks players finally start to arrive together. Mm-hmm. It would be good to have a guy who you could lean on and say, totally. you know what, like, like a little bit of veteran leadership, yeah. who, who, like you said, brings that toughness element to the game, well, and shows you know the young guys how to how to go about being an NHLer, being a pro. And he's a guy who grew up around the game. Obviously, yes. his dad was Ty Domi, a much different player than uh, than Max, but cut from that, maybe not too far. Apple not falling too far from the tree, but you're you're definitely right about that. They're going to need a little bit of that, and if they get Bedard, okay, don't be shocked if they go out and get a guy like Ryan Reeves too. Because you're gonna want to, they're gonna want to protect him. Mm-hmm. And even if it's just the deterrent, he fights one or two times a year. Like people say, it doesn't matter. 
it matters. And uh, you saw that when Quenville was here. They always had an element of that. They kind of lost their way a little bit with that with Colleton. And it's not surprising how how things not, went in that. It's not all they lost with Colleton. Right, yeah. They lost, they lost a the lot. There. And uh, so, but it was, it was just a different, a different philosophy and one that clearly didn't work. So I think that they will try to protect uh, some of these young guys coming. They're going to have, it's not going to be just Bedard. It's going to be, you know, in the coming years, it's going to be a lot of guys, Korchinski, Nazar, who, you know, Kaiser's coming in. I think Kaiser's going to be a tough kid who will fight too. Uh, so, right, so, so, you, so yeah, you, you lead us right into it because you're bringing yep. up all the, all the key names that we're hitting on right. here. And you mentioned this, uh, we worked l- together last Sunday. You mentioned it to me in passing that you thought that this rebuild could be advancing quicker than some folks expect. And so, what prospects kind of stand out to you and what leads you to believe that we yeah. might be actually being more excited to get to the UC sooner rather than later? Right. Well, and if, if you're looking, if you're like filling out a lineup, right, and it's like, well, who's going to be a guy who can be in the top nine? I think we've seen enough out of Reichel. And this, he, he really, to me, looked like he took that next step where, at minimum, he's a third-line NHL guy on a good team. Might be higher than that. It's like, uh, come on, and crossing it, my fingers there. Yeah. I hope he's a top six. But hopefully, yes. But you know, he can at least. He's fast enough. He's smart enough. He's he's creative. He's responsible. He, I think he's he's played a and lot of center. I was gonna say probably a wing long term, right? Wing. I would say probably a wing. But he's a guy that you're like, okay, like that's a piece. Uh, and kind of like the Matthew Nye situation, where like, ooh, we might have missed him, missed on him. Ryan Green at BU is having a monster year. So he looks like a guy who, at minimum, could be a third-line center. And, you know, then you have the Max Domies and the Canes, and then on de- they, they're loaded on defense. Like, I, yes. I, I think I think Wyatt Kaiser is going to play in the league for 10 years. Uh, people really like Vlasic. I think if they could get Vlasic or Del Mastro, like one of those guys, to hit, you're in a pretty good spot. But people like both of them. Uh, Korchinski is a surefire top pair type guy. Yes. Yeah, and so, he's, he's had a great run this season so far from everything totally. I've seen. Yeah, so he was, I thought he was a little underwhelming in the World Juniors, a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, but Del wasn't. And I kind of, I still like Korchinski better than Del Mastro. So Del was playing 27 minutes a night uh, for Team Canada, winning the, winning the gold medal. So they have some pieces where How it's about like. Nolan Allen? Uh, he could be a third pair, like a, okay. a seventh. You know, we'll see. But he's he's more of like he's cut from like the Jalmerson cloth. They mm-hmm. probably took him over slot, but they needed some. He's more of a defensive defenseman. Yeah. But he, you never know. He he skates. He plays with Korchinski up in Seattle. They're D partners. So listen, you need you need a few guys who who want to play defense too. Absolutely, right? like, absolutely. And then you know Connor Murphy's still under contract. So and Seth Jones is still under contract. So mm-hmm. if you have a few of those guys hit, you maybe you bring in a veteran. I still like Ian Mitchell a lot, and it's like okay. Well, then now we've kind of if if Korchinski and either Vlasic or Allen, uh, Vlasic, Allen, Del Masho are, mm-hmm. are are guys. Kaiser, I think, is a, a guy. Then it's like well, that's six guys right there. Yes, and then you go through this draft, and you get you know Nazar from last year. He comes in. They have a bunch of like kind of bottom six guys who can they can fly. I don't know if they can how much of that will translate, but you can at least count on them to be rotational bottom six guys. Uh, Paul Lodwinski, all these kind of Gavin Hayes is looking like a guy who, who's having a big year in the OHL. Like it feels like that last class was very good, and then you add the at, at minimum four picks in the first two rounds. At this moment, one of them is hopefully going to be Bedard or Fantilli, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we have a nice little core. And I, is it a cup team in two years? No, but half the teams make the playoffs. Okay, so yes. I don't think it's it's like not some crazy statement to say with. Another good draft class, some nice uh, moves in free agency and trades by by Davidson this summer that 
by the end, not maybe even this in at the end of 2024, but certainly that following year. So the 24-25 season, they should be, I think, contending for a wild card spot at minimum. The voice with all the knowledge there is Barstool Chief. I'm Jeff Meller in for Pat Boyle, who usually hosts the hockey show with Chief here on ESPN Chicago. You mentioned, you know, Bedard or Fantilli. Now it's, you know, listen, we get caught up and it feels like Bedard or bust, but obviously Adam Fantilli is would not be a terrible consolation prize. Just talk a little bit about both those. Well, Bedard, we, I think you guys have probably covered it enough. But yeah. Fantilli, if things, for whatever reason, you know, the Hawks, um, you know, the balls don't go their way mm-hmm. in, in the draft lotto. Fantilli, if you end up picking him, you're okay? Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where, remember the, the Jack Eichel-McDavid draft? Sure. Jack Eichel would be the number one pick any year, except for that year. Yep. And that's kind of how this feels, where you're like, you're going to get a stud player. And Fantilli, he can do everything, and he he looks the part. He's six three, he's two hundred. He skates. He's got good hands. He's tough. He's not shy about throwing his body around. You know, knows how to play. But Dar is a Hall of Famer. Okay, so it's like I, I don't know like how high up is for Fantilli, but it's like if you get Bedard, all of a sudden you feel like okay, like we have our superstar. Where and who can take us to a cup? With Fantilli, you might have you might have, and this is not necessarily a slight. You might have a Jack Eichel or, or a Ryan Kessler type guy. Kessler scored forty goals one year in uh, in Vancouver. Yep. A guy who's very very good. Is he good enough to be the best player on the best team? I don't know. Maybe not. But like it's it's there's not many of those guys that are around that can be the best player on the best team. It's very rare to get one of those guys. So like that's kind of the difference. You can still win and win big with Fantilli, but Dard is just such like a. You know, once every seven, eight, nine years, kind of yes. guy. So. Yeah, the, they say generational talent for yeah. a reason, of course. I mean, they they mention him with Crosby and McDavid. Like, you yeah. know, it's no, like they skip course. over Nathan McKinnon. I know, right? Just, like, it's like, yeah, he's, he's better than McKinnon. Yes. So it is kind of crazy the way that they Sign talk. Sign me up for uh, the yeah. uh, consolation prize that is Nathan McKinnon, please. Yeah. I'd love to have that. Right. And, and, and Fantilli, you know, who knows? Maybe he could be that. But it's listen. Uh, I mean, honestly, um, don't forget uh, 2004 Ovechkin Malkin, right? Yeah. Like Ovechkin remember, will, will always be the man on the marquee. Mm-hmm. But Malkin was critical, Stunt. being paired with Crosby yep. for all those do you years. Remember who went third in that draft? Yeah, I do. Cam Barker. Oh, of course, I was going to say you bring. Uh, I mentioned it, and I didn't even bring that up. But of course, yeah, the, Hawks fame, fans, <laughs> the famed. Uh, how could you forget the old three draft? You know what, yeah. It worked out okay for the yeah. Hawks, at least. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Let's uh, slip Matt, who's in North Aurora, Aurora, in here. Maddie, you're on the hockey show. What's going on? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, so I heard you guys talking about how uh, Kane and Taves, um, you know, them leaving versus staying. Um, I happen to know a guy who is like he knows Taves and Kane personally, mm-hmm. and uh, he he tells me that uh, Kane like he changed his mind. He uh, he can't wait to get out of there. The uh, the new president is. Um, the new president's just like taking over and you know he he only has a few years left and so he wants to spend his twilight in buffalo or something like that and personally i think we owe it to him but i want to know what you guys thought yeah i that's not what i had heard i had heard something different as of uh a week ago today so if it maybe he's changed his mind in the last week it could very well happen uh i don't know how much uh, i think there's an element of truth to that I won't say which element, but I think there's an element of truth uh, to that. So we'll see how how it plays out. But I've been told that he he's not going to go, and that they'll they'll probably offer him something in the summer. 
Yeah, and, and it likes, listen, as uh, as you get older, too, sometimes, you know, you're comfortable, your situation, right? Like, I think it, a lot will depend on what some of the options are there are out there for him, right? It might like, depend on the lottery. Yeah, he might be like, you point. know what, I'm going to stick around. If we get Bedard, then I'll stay. No, that's it a, could, it could very well be tied to that. And then, you know, and he does have a, a you know, a young child, a, you know, yep. PK3 is, you know, like, do you really want to, like, leave your, your you know, his mother and and the baby behind while you're running around wherever you get traded L.A. or New York or wherever for a few months probably not and then you guys can all move together as a family in the summer yeah if you if you want out so it's like what's two months especially because they have all their cups I just I don't think so uh, but I I think I think Kane is I think Kane will be here all right good to hear he's Bar- Barstool Chief I'm Jeff Meller in for Pat Boyle up next we will reflect on the death of Bobby Hull on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Got a couple four-packs to give away right now. What colors do you want to take, Barstool Chief, here? Go with number three. All right. Well, we got two, so we'll go color three and... Pick another number. Three and five. All right, three and five. Close three and five right now to 312-332-3776. Will win yourself a four-pack to the Wolves game against the Iowa Wild, their division rival, for Friday, February 10th, the final $3 beer night of the season. Keep listening over the next few weeks for future games like Saturday's February 18th Star Wars night against the Cleveland Monsters. Again, caller three and five, three, one, two, three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six, four, a four pack to the Wolves game. All right. Earlier this week, Bobby Hole died at the age of 84, Blackhawks legend. But of course, as gifted as he was on the ice, he was probably more troubled off the ice, which makes this a very difficult conversation to have because he is the Blackhawks all-time goal-scoring leader with 604 First ever in the NHL to register 50 goals in a season. Mm-hmm. Also changed the landscape in sports with salary because he was the first player to ever sign a million-dollar contract. He signed a 10-year deal for one what ended up being $1.5 million mm-hmm. with the Winnipeg Jets at the time. And um, famously, he said he would only sign with them if it was for a million dollars, you know, obviously way back in the early, you know, late 60s, early 70s, that was a tremendous amount of money. Yep. And sure enough, the Jets in the new WHL stepped up and were able to secure the Golden Jet. But of course, lots of issues off the ice as well. Yeah. And this is where it's, I'll go ahead. Yeah, look, it. There, there's no getting around the fact that he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. It's written for words for you to say there's all kinds of police reports uh his his son has spoken about it that you know they're brett hall who's yes. obviously a hall of famer himself I, f- I believe that they had kind of rectified their relationship or repaired it a little bit in in uh bobby hole's waning days but it, it it was it's difficult and uh you know he has a statue for a reason he's a big part of this the fabric of uh the organization historically curve stick helped invent sure. that First, you know like yeah. Yeah, him, it's him insane and to think about the game without that yeah but it, it is there's no getting around the fact and I, I i was hesitant to like talk about this too much on on, on my other platforms and other shows because it felt so fresh mm-hmm. that like the body is not even cold yet where it's like let's not rush in to take a moral high ground on, and and even bobby hole's grandson 
was like, hey, can we just wait? You know, you can have your opinions about my grandfather, but he's been dead for 12 hours. So I think that there's an element of respect of like a human life has been lost. He was special to at least some people. Yeah. And now enough time has been like, look, like we don't have okay. to like, I don't think the Blackhawks need to be wearing like a patch, you okay. know, to honor him. It's just like, hey, like they put out their tweet, their statement. He has the statue out front, but like I don't think we need to be talking about him all the time because it gets uncomfortable like this. Where yeah, it's listen, like, there's I, I no mean, denying some of his negative, uh, the negative aspects of him. You know, and and you're right. I understand. And certainly, a family member, you understand why they would yep. certainly feel you know squeamish about hearing it. Unfortunately, you know, my one pushback would be, you know, if if you're not going to that that in a way is like saying. You know, what do we need to talk about it now? Well, yes, because this is the only mm-hmm. time where Bobby Hole will be in the news the way he is at yeah. this point. And I'm not going to sweep under the rug, you know, multiple allegations of domestic violence, which, of course, is something. It's not just domestic violence, but there's lots of issues yeah. across hockey, mm-hmm. which, you know, of abuse, which, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately are far too prevalent still in the sport. And so, you know, of course, yeah. great, great hockey player for the team. One of the greatest to ever lace up skates for the Blackhawks organization. Right. Unfortunately, you, you said it, bad guy, and didn't show contrition throughout the entirety of his life. And, you know, there's also far, uh, there's a, a lot of other things, too, that go along with his legacy. Not enough time to get into it, but he held some beliefs that were reprehensible. Oh, disgusting. You know, you yeah. know and, and so go ahead, look him up if you want to. Um, I don't want to short shrift it because he did... Um, say that he was taken out of context in a 1998 interview with the Moscow Times where he praised Hitler. So, yeah, it's I a, mean, I don't know how you take that out of context. Correct. Yeah. It seems it's, like, it's very like it's, it reads like Kanye said it. Yeah. Like very similar. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and so it's just like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, like you, you can't really fully separate the athlete from the human because the human was bad. Yes. And I do think that there is a, a modic, like a decorum about mm-hmm. anytime anyone dies, uh, that should be followed. And I think we have that time has passed. So now if people want to write their op-eds about what kind of guy he was, I think now would be the time. Barstool chief. Thanks for having me for Pat Boyle this week. P- PB will be back next week. This has been the hockey show on ESPN 1000.